At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good morning, traders. Sorry about the delay there. It seems like we had a little bit of issues with our streaming platform, but we are ready to go and get this morning started. Welcome to Pre-Market Prep, where you guys get everything that you need to get your trading morning started. Let's talk about today's topics. We're going to talk, of course, about Amazon Care no longer being offered. Tesla, three-for-one stock split. NVIDIA, Uh, disappointing earnings. We'll see what happens there. Snowflake getting a little bit of a beat here. We'll definitely take a look at Snowflake. CRM, Salesforce coming through. Splunk, Dollar General, a little bit of talk on Peloton. And of course, we'll take a look at the GDP numbers that come out. Initial jobless claims today, 8.30. Don't miss that. And of course, we got our guest, Ivan Feinseff, partner and CIO at Tigris Financial Partners. Welcome to the show. And welcome to pre-market prep. Let's get it started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders. How we doing, Dennis? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I had a very interesting evening of trading. We'll say that. It was interesting evening. I was Why did uh we pop? What's that? Why do we pop over overnight? Why not? I mean we're we're basically, you know, we've sold off for <laughs> I a like few that days. One. Why not? Why not? We're just choppy still here. I mean, Jackson Hole, maybe people are a little bit, you know, looking at situation saying, Wow, well, we've kind of oversold. Maybe it's gonna be one of those sell on rumor buy on news type events, obviously with Jackson Hole. And uh we also have um Powell gonna speak tomorrow. So, and then we got a lot of economic data coming in. So, who knows? Could be some shorts, you know, getting in here and covering ahead of it. Could be Tesla. Tesla driving the bus a little bit here today. NVIDIA is not driving the bus at all. So, which happened last time too. NVIDIA actually uh, disappointed there when they did their warning and the stock market bounced back. So, maybe we should have known when NVIDIA disappointed that the market was going to bounce. One of those things. But anyways, <laughs> I want to go into uh, what happened last night here, Mitch. Let's do it. So I'm sitting here and I'm trading. 
And then I had a few minutes and I'm trying to move. We're moving into the house here, like right now in between. So I'm basically trading, moving, trading, moving, trading, moving. So I wanted to unhook my trailer. So actually I want to go hook my trailer up to my truck. So I'm like, I'm trading and it was like in between, I think chef was coming on. It was like seven o'clock and um, it was slow. So I'm like, I'm going to go hook up my trailer. So go hook up my trailer. As I'm hooking up my trailer, I see the shadow because it was sunny. See the shadow, and I was like, "Oh, it's like it looks like you know a, a, a wasp, a shadow." So I'm looking. I was like, oh, "The shadow just disappears." I'm like, "Oh, wasp, I guess just is gone." So okay, so I don't think anything of it. Hook up the trailer, uh, come back inside, sit down, start trading at my desk again, and then all of a sudden, bam, stings me in the stomach. In the stomach, it was under my shirt. So literally the wasp was, been it was flying hanging around out and crawled on me and crawled up my shirt and underneath my shirt. So anyways, I, I lift up my shirt and then the wasp comes out of there after it stung me in the stomach. And then it's flying around and I have this little office here at my rental because I haven't moved into the, I haven't moved my trading operation over to the new house yet. So it's a small office and the wasp is like mad. And then it's like flying around the small office trying to sting me again, like dive bombing me. So then I'm like, okay, I'm getting out of here. I don't have anything to kill. So I close the door and I lock him in there. So now he's locked in my office, but I got to trade. So I'm like, got okay, him. well, we're in the process of moving. So I don't have it's any wasps or trading here. No, I know. And they're stinging you. Eh? So I don't have any wasp killer because we're in the process of moving. There's hardly anything left in this house. So I'm looking around. What do we have? I got a broom. I literally have a broom. <laughs> so I'm reaching in the little room. Yeah, just like that. Reaching in. I swat him out of the air. Knock him down. Knock him down. He's down. I just go to hit him. I hit him. And then he gets up and starts flying around again. I smoked him with survivor. the Survivor. He's, he's a survivor, man. So then, anyways, I swat him again. I hit him against the wall. And he's coming at me again. I'm like, I can't kill this thing. So I'm like, I need something better than a broom. So then I go to my shed. And my kid's got a butterfly net. I'm like, okay, butterfly net should do it. So then, you know, I'm reaching in carefully in the room. He's still like mad because I've tried, I've swam twice, already stung me once. Then I get him in the butterfly net, get him in the butterfly net, and then I finally get him outside and then take Look him outside. Look at you using the butterfly net. Yeah, the technique. butterfly net worked. So I know. Then he's all outside the... the office. The whole affair probably took about 10 minutes, but it felt like an hour, especially after getting stung in the stomach. That's a sensitive spot. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I sometimes I have to call on my inner Viking, I say, and I'm like, it's time to kill. Let's go. I tried, man. <laughs> that was a tough wasp. He was a big, he was a beefy wasp. Yeah. This beefy there, wasp. He must have been under my shirt for five minutes, man, because I was like, I, I went outside. The, the shadow disappeared. I hooked the trailer up. I came back inside and I'm sitting there and I'm just trading away, you know, not thinking anything of it. I didn't even thought about the shadow again until bam. I'm like, what? And then I lift up the shirt and he flies away. I was like, you got me, you got me. So, <laughs> well, I'll anyway, it's not fun getting stung in the stomach. I'll tell you what. Well, you, you could have used the Amazon care, but it won't be around for too much longer, Dennis. So you can use a, a little bit of Amazon care. Why, why not, right? A little teledoc. There you go. The tele, I could have got to, yeah, to their telehealth. You could have got the to the telehealth here, right? And so yeah. let's go good ahead. segue, let's... Mitch. I like, like that. that. Look how he uses these segues. This guy's curveball. getting good, man. All right, let's get so into it. Amazon. Amazon Care shutting down after December 31st. Uh, Amazon Health Services Senior Vice President said the decision to shutter Amazon Care wasn't made lightly, only became clear after many months of careful consideration. Uh, this was reported by Greek Wire. 
Um, now you're starting to see different stocks move off of this. Of course, yeah. pay attention to the relationships there. Yeah. Teladoc, Amwell gaining as Amazon plans to shut down the telehealth service. Last month, though, it's interesting. Amazon said it was acquiring the One Life Healthcare, which was o, uh, 1M. So if you want to look up that ticker, that's literally 1M. And so you're probably seeing that up a little bit in there in the pre-market. And this one operates under One Medical. And they did this acquisition for $3.9 billion. Um, it's interesting because One Medical also provides primary care services in person as well as virtually. So that can be some area that they might be able to transition into. Just kind of mentioning what's going on there. But take a look also. Uh, Teladoc is going to be definitely one to kind of keep on watch. Yeah, now. trading up immediately on this news so last night teledoc starts blasting off and i was like something's up like i mean when you're trading after hours you can tell you know when something's somebody's just excited or when there's news and when there's news it's like bits jump 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 you can really tell when there's something news is like uh, teledoc something's up and then you see the amazon headline like and that makes sense so teledoc obviously a trading up two points here uh kathy going to benefit a little bit from this here if we look this morning arkk is trading higher here this morning as well i think it's throughout all our funds so all of our funds are probably going to be up a little bit because i believe teledoc is like the number three kathy woods i think i'll take a look in into there. it i'll take a look at the, the whole yeah it, zoom, it might even be number two it's high like tesla. no number two is zoom i know that one number two it's tesla zoom. zoom i think it might be number three there. Yeah, you go on down. our major holdings, but it's four or five percent in the majority of our funds, three, four or five percent, depending on the fund. So it's big holdings. Um, so actually, ARKK is probably going to be trading higher, and it is. So if you look I at got all you. Our ARKK, is actually now in what is it? One, two, three, four, five, sixth place for her in the ARKK. It's slipping because it's fallen in price. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the third one is Roku Square. CRISPR is actually higher than CRISPR. It's uh 4.59%. Look, has... there's a pretty good stock. That's not one that's sitting at the lows. What's she doing in that? That's been one well, that's come off these, the lows. These, these have been kind of moving together. Uh, she also has Fate and Beam, and they're all in kind of the similar area. So I, I kind of keep watching on all those. Beam, CRISPR, Fate, all these together. They're all in crafty stocks. But let's get back to TDoc. What's the other one? You also, um, Amwell, what's the ticker for that one? AMWL. That's trading up 5% here. So you're getting a little bit of a lift here. I know some people on social media were talking about this one. I don't follow this one closely. But the three that were jumping out at me was like the Teladoc. Definitely the Teladoc. The Amwell was, is up on it, I believe. And then there's GoodRx too, GDRx. I don't know if there's news on that, but I saw it moving. So I'm like, wow, well, it's probably off the Amazon thing too, maybe. So um, GDRx trading up about 5% here as well. That GDRx chart, holy cow, look at the six support level on this one. I haven't looked at this chart in a long time. Wasn't this a Kramer darling at one time? I don't know if it was or not. Maybe I made that up. But $6, June, July, August, major support down here. So interesting here. Had the little short squeeze, it looks like, back in just about 10 days ago when it got up to 10. Back at support at 6. So it's kind of an interesting level. All right, let's keep moving on. I know everyone wants to talk about what Tesla's three-for-one stock split. Let's get what? into it. Let's see what happens now with Tesla. Looks weird. Um, you know what's funny, Dennis, this morning? And, and it's not to make, you know ember looked bad but he just kind of mentioned it to me he was just asking me he was like what happened to tesla's market cap 
I guess is, uh, you know, the platform, sometimes oh, they don't calculate platform. correctly calculate. and it was coming down. Yeah. He was like, yo, what happened to the market? Tesla becomes such a cheap stock. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, was, I, I was like, yeah, that's exactly how a lot of people are waking up today. They're like, what happened to Tesla? Well, it was just a stock split here now. So three for um, one, three, three for one. So it's trading post split here. Now you also had a Ron Barron. One of the biggest Tesla bulls out on the street on CNBC talking Tesla for the last two hours, um, or at least an hour. I saw him on there. I had it on mute, but I saw him on there. Um, $303, trading up 2%. We talked about this trade potentially ahead of it. Um, it did obviously have a couple days. It is up still again here today. Now, I will say typically, typically what happens, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but typically you see these things kind of open high on the day of a post split and then leak and start to leak. So you have everybody excited. Oh, Tesla's cheap again. Now Tesla's its own animal. It doesn't have to follow the quantitative, you know, methods that we talk about. But from a quantitative perspective, when I'm looking at splits, stocks tend to be strong pre-split and weak post split. So we will see. Usually they open kind of strong on the day because you have what happens is sometimes and there's some brokerages that don't adjust orders and they just screw it up. And you have some orders that might actually lift the price too. But you have more people just excited. Tesla's down here at $300, a cheaper stock. Let's buy it. It's going back to 900 type deal. I don't think, I think that will subside. Obviously, Tesla moves with the overall market too. But you can see it's up 2% here right now. So showing some good relative strength relative to the S&P. But uh, just be cautious here chasing this because historically, they do show weakness after they split. All right, let's move forward. Let's get to NVIDIA, top earning stock of the day, and it got hit in after hours, but it seemed like the market really shrugged it off. But let's talk a little bit about what came out here. Q2 adjusted EPS at 51 cents. Well, let me actually give you guys the banner there. Switch it over there. All right, let's go to NVIDIA here. EPS at 51 cents, missing the dollar and 25 cent estimate. Sales at 6.7 billion, missing the 8.1 billion estimate. Gaming segment revenue was at 2.04 billion, declined 33% year over year and a 44% drop from its first quarter. NVIDIA now guiding for the third quarter revenue of 5.9 billion. Um, plus or minus 2%. That's about 15% lower than expectations. So lowering the guidance. The company sees also gaming and professional visualization revenue declining. Several partners reducing inventory levels ahead of NVIDIA's new products. The company's gross margins have now been dropping massively in the last year from 67% to 46% in this last year. And profits are now back to levels in early 2020. Um, with a 50 cent uh, EPS range, this is when NVIDIA was trading as low as $50 back then. Yeah. And now NVIDIA trading at $166 that's a little bit, you know, close to more than 80 times Q2 earnings. Yeah. So the quarter they just reported, and obviously they're looking, you know, that they're going to be coming up from there a little bit, but the guidance is not good. So when you think about this, you know, even if you give it on a forward basis, say, let's say conservatively, it's trading like 39, 40 times, you know, on, on the forward basis from the new earnings. It's expensive, man. And I mean, it is NVIDIA. It is best of breed. But again, it's a chip that the business is very cyclical. Mm -hmm. So, you know, are we going to need NVIDIA chips in the future? Absolutely. It's just valuation. 
hasn't been cheap for a long, long time. And now it's actually getting more expensive as the earnings are coming in. So, I mean, you look at that and you think, man, is this the kind of market to pay this kind of earnings for a cyclical business? I don't think so. But our bull argument is that this is best to breed. It always has a premium to pay. And, you know, eventually we're going to turn it around here too. And we're going to get the gaming and the metaverse and everything's going to be the driver, the crypto and all that. It's going to be the driver. I'm not buying it, not buying the story. Um, I think I'd still be selling the pop. We're in a little bit of the buy the dip mentality though. So the silver lining market will probably try to find a reason to buy it. I won't be buying the dip. Yeah, I won't be a part of that camp either. It's just something that I think when you're seeing gross come down, you're seeing a lot of things pointing the wrong direction. Let's go to snow now. Snowflake here getting a big pop up. Let's go towards their earnings here. Snowflake EPS at a loss of 70 cents. Uh, sales at 497.2 million, beating the 467.15 million estimates. Snowflake sees Q3 product revenue 500 million to 505 million and sees full year 23 product revenue at 1.9 billion and a high end of 1.91 billion. Evaluation on this one is absolutely insane. It's been insane for a long, long time. Um, I think guidance is fine. The quarter is pretty good. I mean, you have this, you know, situation where you've got so many companies missing. So when you get them beaten, you know, they're going to get the pop. It's a nice 19% pop. It's a nice 30-point pop. It is a gift, in my opinion. I think there's massive resistance from 190 to 200. Again, sometimes you have to follow through on the day. I mean, we even saw, saw it with Palo Alto Networks. We saw it yeah. with Disney for a few days. Sometimes they report good earnings and, you know, natural people say, I'm just going to short it. They never, nothing's ever easy. So they'll often they'll take it up higher, break those other shorts that just, you know, short it on the print, make those guys shake out and then eventually take it down. So you often see two or three days where you can get follow through. So does this have a date with 200? It might. Um, again, I, my, would I stick around if I was in this thing and it could give me a 30 point gift? Would I, you know, stick around for the last 10 points? Probably not. So definitely not chasing it. It's not a cheap stock. If we're going into recession, you can have it. Let's go towards Salesforce now. Next one up here. And this one, not as good as you can clearly see from the no. chart. Let's go into it. The numbers, uh, Salesforce numbers here. Oh, hold on a second. Let me make it as a banner. Moving bottom. There you go. All right, Salesforce here, EPS at $1.19, beating the dollar and two cent estimate. Sales at $7.72 billion, beating the $7.7 billion estimate. Salesforce announced a $10 billion buyback program. And they also started lowering on a lot of their kind of guidance. Uh, EPS lowered guidance, sales lowered guidance, and also uh, their full year 23 adjusted EPS and sales guidance lowered. So Q3. Uh, guidance brought down also full year 2023 uh, guidance also brought down 160 bucks 155 to 160 there's massive support down there um stocks trading like 30 times earnings somewhere in there last time i looked um it's it's not cheap but it's not super expensive it has had the growth in the past I think you find support another five, six bucks lower from here. So I'm not coming in and buying the dip on the first day. Is CRM one I would add to the long-term portfolio at a certain point price? I would. If the PE got into the 20s, I think it gets interesting there. But, you know, PE is still kicking around 30, like low 20s. 
I mean, you get to a market multiple on it, then it gets interesting. I still think it is one of best of breed as well. Obviously, so many businesses have come from Salesforce too. Benioff obviously has built an empire here to a certain extent. Um, once 155 to 160, that's your major support. I I don't know if that support will hold, but then again, you guys know in software application names, those are the names that I'm probably the most bearish until we see a complete turnaround. We'll see what happens. Salesforce. Well, that's uh, Mitch. Yeah. That's the problem here is it still goes top down approach, and it's hard to be a buyer of stocks when you're overall nervous about the overall market here again. So. I just, you know, I do want to buy some stocks. I raised cash. I raised it at some good prices, obviously. You know, I was a little bit early with, you know, some of my Apple hedging, but I sold a lot of other stocks in the last couple of weeks and I'm back up to 49%. I'd like to put some of that to work. Salesforce is one I would have on my on my uh, wish list, you know, on my list if it comes into a reasonable valuation, but just not reasonable here yet. So, and especially when the earnings aren't growing and that's the bigger problem here. You know, it's just like back to NVIDIA, you're trading 25, 30 times earnings. It's okay when earnings are growing, but when earnings aren't growing or earnings are actually declining, that's not a math formula I want to add up to be long. So I think there's better places for your money, at least in the short term. Let's go to Splunk now. S L K S P L K. There, yeah. Splunk adjusted EPS here coming in at a nine cents, beating the thirty-five loss estimate. Sales at seven hundred and ninety-nine, uh, seven hundred and ninety-nine million, beating the seven hundred and forty-seven point five five million estimate. Raising guidance, they see full year twenty-three revenue guidance at three point three five billion on the low end. 3.3 uh 3.4 billion on the high end versus the 3.33 billion estimate. So higher than the low end there, so good raising of the guidance for full year 23 on Splunk, but as you can see this one it beat it beat raised guidance still came down. I think it's similar chart to Salesforce, to be honest with you. I had all the support in May, June, and July and Salesforce around 155 to 60. Same thing with Splunk. You had all this support around 88 bucks from May, June, and July. So you get back down near that area. I think it bounces. I think the old supports, I think those May, June, July lows may hold on it. So it gets back down to that area. I think, you know, you maybe take a shot. Um, I think you might be a little bit early, though, here at 98. Wasn't there, pe- wasn't there a company fishing around? Chat, you can help me around with this. Wasn't this stock in play at one time? Am I just, or did I dream that up? I thought somebody was like, you know, kicking tires or rumors were kicked, rumors were kicked around about a potential acquisition of Splunk. So maybe the chat can remember that. Maybe I dreamt it up. I'm getting older now, confusing dreams with reality. But I thought Splunk last year had somebody interested in it. Don't worry. It might have been in the Matrix stream. Don't worry about that one. Dennis. Well, we're asking the chat because I kind of They always remember. know. They always I thought know. there was a rumor last year, you know, so always keep that in mind. You know, that's just a lesson on the side. I'm not sure if it's Splunk. I'd have to go look at my looking on the history of the pro. But I thought there was some rumors there last year. Um, always keep in mind stocks that were, you know, one stocks that were at one time. Cisco was Cisco. See, they got it. They got it. Cisco See, was, you know, rumored to chance. be a buyer here. Keep in mind those stocks that, you know, at one time had rumors that people were going to acquire them. As those ones come in, they're more attractive targets to put in the long-term portfolio because, you know, maybe they weren't buying with these valuations, but as they start to come down, there could be potential suitors. So keep that in mind. It was. It was Cisco. Thank you very much, chat. That was interested potentially in acquiring Splunk last year. 
You're getting some love in the chat. They're asking if you're open to adopting a degenerate adult options trader. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, he, he, Dennis is like, I got, I got two kids. I'm going to leave that one out there. I ain't going to comment on that one. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. Next one up. Let's get into Dollar General DG. I wanted to take a look at how these dollar stores were kind of performing. Let's take a look at their numbers here. EPS at $2.98, beating the $2.93 sales at $9.4 billion, beating the $9.39 billion estimate. Dollar General Board increased the share buyback authorization by $2 billion, raised sales outlook, uh, provided guidance for full year 2022, expected earnings between $11.39 to $11.59 per share. Um, I, I, I'm this one second here. I got sidetracked. No worries. Um, I, I'm torn on the dollar stores because I, I don't, these, these things historically do very well, even in a recession. The mm -hmm. one thing I'm scared about is that every single thing, and this is, you know, again, you know, just, you know, thinking nervously about China, but every single thing in those stores comes from China. Like we have, we get a lot of stuff from China in all stores. There's nothing in those dollar stores that isn't from China. So <laughs> at least from what I can see, you know, that's yeah. the reason they can sell the stuff for a buck and a quarter or $2 or $3. There is nothing in there that's not from China. So if supply chain issues, if China starts to clog that up again, intentionally or not intentionally here, I don't think it's good for these companies. These things are all priced pretty much to perfection because they are recession-proof to a certain extent. People will always get the shop at the dollar store more when they're hurting for cash. So in a normalized market, I would like to buy Dollar General and Dollar Tree if we were going into a recession. But if we have issues with China and supply chain issues, these things are like a ground zero too. So you know what? I'm staying away from DG and DLTR. Honestly, my eyes is uh are these dollar stores still even dollar stores? A lot of them are dollar twenty-five or two dollars a product and now and with inflation. Well, I know they're not even dollar stores. They're anymore. not even it's, dollar oh, stores. So true. Is, can you get anything for a dollar in the dollar store? <laughs> yeah, maybe a piece of candy. What about something? five below? Did they raise their prices to ten bucks or something? Yeah, they're is not that still they're, five dollars. They're seven below now. You is it seven that? below? They're gonna change the name of the company, they're gonna change the ticker symbol to seven. SEVN, is it available? That's seven? just how oh, it no, is. No, it's not. That's Seven Hills reality. So, so you already lost that. <laughs> That's pretty much what it is, isn't it? Um, let's go out of Dollar General. Let's go into uh, Joel's not here, so we're allowed to do this. Let's go to Peloton. Let's get into it. Uh, Joel would not be happy right now if he was. If we were here. Well, it's not his Peloton. stock. It's Lisa's stock. It's his. Oh, wife's it's Lisa. Stock. It's okay. He wanted right? to sell that stock since 120, and she he didn't did. Want to sell it. He it did. was her stock. And he was trying to tell her to sell it. So he actually kind of didn't mind it going because then he was right. <laughs> it's 11 bucks. It's an epic disaster. I I think, and I've said this before, I think Peloton is potentially a zero. I do. Um, so I will not be buying this in the long-term portfolio. Can you trade anything? You can. It had the thing with Amazon yesterday. Do they find a reason to buy it on this disastrous report? Maybe. But I think when we look longer term, I think Peloton actually could be like a dollar or two dollars. I'm not joking. I think it could fall another 90% from where it's at now. So let's write this down. It's $11.50. Two years from now, not two days from now, because maybe you get a pop up 12, 13. I don't know the path to get there. I think two years from now, I think Peloton is trading under two dollars. 
Okay. Two years from now, making so it's that like call. Nine dollars lower. So, you're, if you're a long-term investor in Peloton, I'm not on your side. I'm a long-term bearish Peloton. I'm going to say a takeout at twenty. You think it's going to take it? Who is buying that? This is I what don't people know were why, telling but me. But I feel 50. like it. I still feel nobody's like buying it. Peloton. I said it at thirty-five, and I was absolutely correct. The rumors broke. Spencer Israel was fighting me on it as well, saying, oh, yeah, somebody will buy Peloton. It was $35. It was rumors on Amazon, a couple other suitors out there. And the stock popped like 50 or whatever, $40. Yeah. And I was like, that day, I was saying, was take gift. your money and run. I tweeted out that day, take your money and run, that nobody is buying this. And I had 500 messages back at me on Twitter saying how stupid I was. That, you know, and Peloton is going to get taken over by somebody here and you're playing with fire by being bearish the stock. That was when the stock was $40. The stock is now 11. I was correct and I expect all 500 of those people to apologize to me on Twitter today. In in any regard, that's a joke. But in any regard here, I think Peloton, I think nobody, I think zero people are interested in paying for this dying business. And I think uh, the better days are ahead of it. Unless we go into another pandemic, I think Peloton is going a lot lower eventually. Now, that doesn't mean it can't pop up. We're in the buy the dip mentality. Could come Mm -hmm. back here today. I don't know the path to get there. I'm saying two years from now, I think it's under two bucks. So let's put it in the calendar. We'll add the date. I'll even add the reminder here. Two years from now. So we are now August 25th. So August 25th, 2024, Peloton is under two bucks. That is my call. I'll take you to lunch, Dennis. Um, I'll give you some information here on Peloton. You want to do a long term bet here? Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take the lunch. Well, that's a pretty, you got to give me odds. I'm saying the stock's going to fall 90%. It's a bold call. I said you know, 20. Normally, you say higher or lower from here is fair. So, uh, higher or lower, I would do a lunch bet with you, unless you give me 10 to 1 odds because I'm giving 90% down. So, I have to get 10 to 1 odds on it. Ten lunches to one lunch. Yeah, that, that, that's a little bit hard. I'll <laughs> get away from that. Well, Peloton, just to support your conversation there, Peloton has raised membership fees, hiked prices on some equipment, laid off thousands of workers, tested a expenses. rental option, exited the last mile delivery, oh transferred all production to third parties. Oh I mean, they're gosh. trying everything they can here. So we'll see what They've happens. They've got to try everything they can. Yeah. nobody's buying the bikes there's <laughs> if you go on like we have kijiji in ontario do you have kijiji in the states you have kijiji no i don't it's ontario it's a canadian thing kijiji it's like you know localized amazon that like or whatever. you can go on there or you just go facebook marketplace go there facebook go. marketplace right now go to facebook marketplace and my look Peloton. how many pelotons are available in your area used bikes <laughs> there's like a thousand of those things for sale for a fraction of the price that they paid you can get these Peloton bikes everywhere. I might just get one. I pick one up for like five hundred bucks, probably, maybe even less, maybe three hundred bucks. These things are everywhere for sale. All right, now we'll get us uh, some of the numbers that are hidden right now. The tape. Let's get into here. I still don't have my GDP number. I'm looking for it right now to give you guys it. The expectations here. Uh, Estimate for the uh, quarter over quarter was a negative 0.8 prior net negative 0.9. Also looking at jobless claims here, 253,000 was expected. Let's see when it hits the tape for me here. I don't know if you see it out there. Down 0.6% versus 0.5%. Nothing burger. Heart market's Nothing. hardly moved off of it. Not even yeah. moving. Not not seeing much move at all. JG's got in the chat there too. Down 0.6%. So it looks like a nothing burger. We leaked a little bit. We leaked maybe two or three S&P points here. So not, not big movement off of this.
All right, let's go ahead. Let's just go into our interview today. I see Ivan in the background. You guys in the chat, give us a thumbs on up. We got Ivan Feinseth, partner and CIO of Tigris Financial Partners. Welcome back, Ivan. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming, I wish I'd used Indeed. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility all at Indeed.com P-R-E-P. Just go to Indeed.com P-R-E-P right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com P-R-E-P. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Oh, oh the, old the old trick. mute trick. So just check the, the the settings at the bottom. Make sure you got your mic selected. Sometimes StreamYard loves to change up our selection for us. Give you a couple seconds there. Now, um, hey, interesting to see. The spy just, I mean, just slightly ticked there. Still in that tight range on the hourly. I'm looking to see if we're going to break out of that range. How are we doing, Ivan? How about now? Can you hear me now? Perfect. We got you, Ivan. How are we doing today? Very good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me on. Interested in seeing the latest action. I feel like we've been kind of stuck in a little bit of a range the last two or three days. How do you feel? Break to the upside, break to the downside from here, well, Ivan? I think the market's going higher. This is not a bear market rally. This is the next leg up. I think we've seen the worst. We saw the lows in June, and I don't think we're going back there or anywhere near there. Because this recession that has had everybody in a panic is not going to come or be ex- as anywhere near extreme of an economic slowdown as everybody has been feared. I think we are seeing this, if not a near-term peak in inflation, we are seeing a plateau that the work the Fed has done has helped to somewhat slow things down between the moves, the, the increases in the Fed funds rate, the moves up in yields in the treasury curve and also a lot of the jawboning that the fed and various fed um, fed chair powell and various fed governors have been talking about has all done what they wanted it to do and i don't think the fed is going to have to be as aggressive as everybody feared i don't know if we get a pivot but i don't think we want to pivot we want to pause or we want to uh, a slowdown in the aggressive rate increases i don't think we're going to get 75 basis points in september I think there's even a possibility of 25, but in the worst case, 50 basis points with Powell moving toward a more neutral, slower stance of being more data driven. 
Ivan, the one thing I love about you is you're consistent. You've been on coming on this show for years. You've been bullish every time. You know, you're bullish if we're out. You're bullish if we're pulling back. But you know, it's kind of like the Warren Buffett approach. As the market goes higher, eventually Ivan's going to be right. If the market continues well, to drift higher, you're eventually right. It, but it does go higher. It's true. I mean, if you look at even all of the issues that um, have caused the pullback in what we have seen, or in um, you know, good companies. Sometimes they stub their toe. Sometimes, yeah. you know, there's a, a shift in uh, in billing, like what Mark Benioff is saying, that companies are not slowing down their IT investments. They're being a little more cautious, a little more measured. And he thinks that what he doesn't get this quarter and next quarter, they'll get in the future. So I think that the trend is still strong. Um, the retailers, sometimes they call it wrong with what consumers want to buy. We saw this big shift from the before the pandemic, from experiences and travel during the pandemic to merchandise as people were sheltering in place, fixing up their place, buying things to learn and work and entertain at, and eat at home. And now they can go back out. So we're seeing the shift again, spending on travel, spending on apparel, spending on makeup, luggage, things like that. And by the way, not all the retailers, just like, the apparel manufacturers, they don't always call the trend right in what consumers want. So they discount what they can't sell until they sell it and move on to the next season, to the next trend, and to what next the consumer may want. And this that happens all the time in retail. It's not the end of everything, not the end of retail. It's not the end. It's just a next phase in an ongoing continuum. The, the, Ivan, one thing, the one thing you have working in your favor is the consumer mindset, which I will say has changed. I mean, pre-COVID, you know, people are still cautious with their spending. You know, they're looking, you know, as savers here. seems like post-COVID, it's like this YOLO, like you only live once and people are more rah-rah to actually spend their money, which has obviously been a driver for inflation as well, as, you know, yes. people are getting out there and doing things. The, the other sad thing is this is not a demand problem. It's good. You want healthy, strong demand. It's a yeah. supply problem. And in theory, if we never had the pandemic, we would have never had the issues of the break in supply chains, the shutdown of factories and the shortages of things. So that has been the, and this chip shortage that has lived, driven uh, just you know, disrupted the car market and uh, caused a huge spike in used cars because there's not a lot available because people aren't trading in cars because they can't get the new cars they want because they're not available because they're waiting for chips. General Motors last quarter had to furlough the delivery of 95,000 cars while they wait for chips. It's, it's crazy. But if nothing else, the lessons learned that we need to not be so dependent on a China-based supply chain, that we yes. need to have chip production here and in other places that we need a diverse supply chain and we need to build things closer to where they are consumed or and the more expensive an item is like a car and a refrigerator and things like that need to be built more locally ivan i couldn't agree with you more i think we do need to get away from that dependence my concern here is in the short term i mean as we if we can start to build things more in north america here again my concern is there's going to be a lot of short-term pain because right now we're addicted to you know cheaper labor which obviously the labor is so much cheaper in china so does that mean we're going to you know if we start building things here prices are going to have to go higher here again so not, you're going to have to get used not to necessarily because okay. the total cost of production okay and labor is only one input 
into the cost of production. And um, by the way, we are very competitive labor-wise. We're also, but you know, the shipping costs are lower. The manufacturing costs overall can come down. And um, so there's a lot of other factors to the cost alone. Not only labor, labor's a, a big function, but um, you know, over time, as developing countries become more developed and industrialized, the labor rates go up too. We saw it. You know, the United States of America started out as a labor colony for the UK. We produced textiles and apparel and sent it back to the UK. And then, you know, over time, we started as we became more advanced. We started to export labor to uh, Asia and then to Latin America. And Asia also exports to Latin America. So at one point, people exported to Japan to, for production and then became too expensive to produce in Japan. Japan outsourced to other Pacific Rim countries. And it's just an economic nature that money flows from countries long capital to countries long labor. This guy's good. I'm trying to punch holes in this bull thesis here, and he's got the answers here. And so <laughs> by the way, this thing, there are people who are willing to pay more, including yeah. in the Toby Keith song, for things that are made in the USA. So Aren't you fighting the Fed, though, to a certain extent, if we're saying, you know, that we're not going into a recession, that the demand is still strong? I mean, Fed is intentionally trying to kill demand. How do we bring down inflation if we don't well, knock demand back? I, I really disagree that the tools, if you will, I, I don't think to a point the low interest rates and the almost zero interest rates did help increase valuations of a lot of high growth tech stocks. And that we are seeing an adjustment in. But um, <clears throat> we need to use technology to increase the production of goods and services, as well as, you know, food. There's food inflation, energy. And unfortunately, one of the biggest components is energy. And this big spike we saw over the summer in gas was painful. But by the way, Disney had a record park attendance and record ticket prices and record in-park spending during the quarter that we saw that huge spike in gas. And by the way, the majority of people going to the parks in Florida and California drive. So they were incurring the higher gas costs, but still willing to travel and willing to spend money. And um, I think there was a rethink of, of consumer priorities in spending, that spe spending on travel, spending on experience, maybe as part of that YOLO mindset, but being with family and doing things is being more valued than just buying more stuff of which people have a lot of stuff. Now, one so, thing that... Uh, so I don't know. One thing that's concerning me now is this recent run that we're getting here in oil. Now it's starting to show up a little bit more. Um, seeing Exxon now at 98, almost 100, and we're starting to see uh, mentions of cutting production from OPEC+. Plus. Uh, another concern, too, is natural gas. Do you think that inflation has truly peaked? Um, well, I think that pullback in gas was helpful. And there's a lot of fear of going into this winter. There's a short, you know, expected shortages of natural gas in Europe. And um, I don't want to get into the political aspect that the whole energy process has been politically mismanaged in a lot of countries. Uh, but um, uh, that is a factor and is a concern. But <clears throat> I think that the trend in oil is still lower, but it dropped 
pretty fast. It dropped yeah. from 133 down to 87. It was great. It's going to bounce a little bit. Look, there was a time in, two th- in March of 2000 where it went negative, and everybody just sat there, watched their computer, and watched oil go, how could it be negative? I mean, it's in theory impossible, but we know that the derivative market and people just, you know, clicking the sell button did that. But, um, you know, in near term, I say markets are are very inefficient, but long term markets are efficient. And I think that we will see oil, you know, settle down at least below 100 is, is a good safe point. But the economy and consumer spending, even when oil spiked, didn't come to the screeching halt that you thought it would and that spike in oil it is painful when oil when it went from costing people 40 to 60 dollars to fill their tanks to from 60 to 100 plus dollars to fill your tank it's it is painful all right now one thing is uh i can we can clearly see you're, you're kind of in a bullish sense here now what opportunities should we be looking at in a market when we're getting a little bit of a dip right now it tech Tech and consumer, I think that um, the weakness that in, in NVIDIA right now, and even if you look at Salesforce, Mark Benioff said, spending is not coming to a halt. It's just being a little bit more measured, a little bit more cautious, and people in- integrating things and spending a little slower. But it, it'll, it will catch up over time. It will recover. Um, I think that a lot of the negative news is pretty extreme in NVIDIA, and I think that is marking the bottom. What about value? Well, what about valuation for NVIDIA? You know, we were just looking at this before he came on the show, and I mean, it's trading, you know, 39, 40 times forward earnings here at this point in time. It's definitely not cheap. It's a cyclical business here. I struggle to pay. I know NVIDIA is best of breed, but I struggle to pay that kind. Can it grow into that? Is it going to grow into well, that? Just look at what Jensen Wong said last night about the auto sector. That's going to be their next billion-dollar-plus business. Um, still uh, chips, AI chips to power data centers for uh, drug discovery, for healthcare, uh, and the, um, genomic mapping. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity in new areas, and that's what you're buying. You're buying the opportunity in new areas of what, of where, if you will, the, the puck is going to be and where NVIDIA is going to be in the next few years. And um, it still is all about the data center driving the computing power to the edge, AI, um, automotive uh, ADAS systems, and the movement from level one to eventual level five autonomy. So there are a lot of growth opportunities for NVIDIA, and they are on the forefront of every one of these secular, very powerful computing trends. Let's go with the opposite. Let's go to Intel because this thing is in the absolute gutter. The valuation is cheap. It's been a value trap here. Chips Act should help Intel, you would think. Absolutely. But- Not only the Chips Act, but everybody wants to invest in creating U.S.-based and other parts of the world-based semiconductor production. Plus, uh, the spinoff, the IPO of Mobileye is going to unlock a lot of value. Mobileye is profitable. Mobileye is got all of the major auto manufacturers, as does NVIDIA, for their um, processors for ADAS systems and automotive control systems. So, so would you be uh, buying you would you be Intel. buying Intel here at 33? Absolutely. My favorite, I like the chip sector. My favorite chip stocks. Number one is NVIDIA. Number two, Qualcomm, Skyworks, Corvo, and Intel. That's a good list. 
what right, about other nice sectors? Let's let's jump over to other sectors. You're giving us some good stuff here, Ivan. Um, you, and stick with technology here. You talk about Salesforce a little bit too. What other technology stocks do you like? I like Salesforce. I like MongoDB. I like yeah. Monday.com. I like uh, this no-code, low-code um, hosted database opportunities. Uh, I think, again, there's tremendous value. You look at Monday. It's uh, a low-code, no-code hosted database that you know starts as little as eight dollars a month and can go uh and that they still have some of the strongest growth is in the plus fifty thousand dollar paying a month um customers so uh they are being adopted by early stage uh small businesses as well as very large businesses and mongodb is also there they are getting uh, more entrenched their fault tolerant database is being adopted by more and more larger companies they have partnerships with all of the big cloud service providers so i like both monday.com and um mongodb some great stocks there mentioned by ivan feinsef appreciate you coming on and not only talking macro with us also going into some of the micros giving us some outlook of what you're seeing out there as opportunities thank you for coming on today ivan thank you for having me always great to be on with you guys thanks thanks ivan Thank you. All right. That's going to do it for our interview today. Let's get into the last couple of uh, kind of headlines that we have. And interesting. Let's take a quick look at the market. Um, looks like we started leaking. to leak a we're little leaking. bit. Yeah, we're starting to leak there. One of the things that I've been focusing on is this hourly range that we've been in. And this is an hourly chart. Look from uh, pretty much Monday. We had a high there at 417.23. Yeah. And we just ticked over it in the after hours. It went to 417.91, but we're right back into the range. So in my eyes, this is one thing that I'm really keeping watch on. I need the SPY to go either way because either way will help me. You know, one of the things that's the hardest thing to do as a trader is trade between the chop when you're going sideways in consolidation. So I'm going to call out levels like 411 or 412 below or above, let's say 418. For the upside, those are the levels that I'd be looking for on the spot. I think you're just going to have chop here, though. You're in the dog days of August. We're going to have a lot of chop here in the next couple of days with Jackson Hole. So you've got a very, you know, and just, you know, even Ivan as an example or myself as out in the opposite of the spectrum. You have a very divided market here. You have people who are full on, you know, believers that we're going to come back. We're V-bottoming and everything's going to go back to business as usual. And that might be the case. But then you have other people that are like, well, this is a little more serious. We've never seen inflation like this in the better part of 40 years. You know, they're going to have to battle this for a while to try to get this back down. And that might put us into a prolonged recession. I don't think it's a question whether, you know, we're going to recession. You know, we're, we're kind of in one. I mean, from the last, you know, two stats, we know that, you know, the, 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 the technical definition, obviously, we've hit that. So, I mean, it's just a matter of whether it's going to go, you know, it's going to be a really quick one. We're going to bounce back very quickly. Or is it going to be prolonged? I mean, if you're, it's going to be, you know, the bounce back quickly, the Fed's going to have to basically lose here. I mean, I don't see how you can have it both ways. I don't see how this market can just rip roar, you know, and, and, and prices are going to come back in, you know, for and from an inflation standpoint. I think the Fed is trying to kill demand. I think it's going to slowly do it. And I think it's going to show up in the corporate profits. And, you know, if we keep getting the silver lining market, maybe stocks can go higher. But if they start killing demand and P and the earnings start going down, the stocks just aren't cheap enough. And I think at the end of the day, I believe what Ivan said is, you know, the long 
run, markets are more efficient. So I think we saw short-term inefficiencies here for a while with, you know, the rah, rah, bull, bull 2020, 2021. Now, I'm not saying, I think Ivan will be right in the long term. I think 10 years from now, I've got to believe stocks are higher or I would not own any stocks in the long-term portfolio. But still, as my job as a market timer is like, are we out of the woods here? Or are we still in the middle of the woods? And I tend to still think we're in the third or the fourth inning of this thing. I don't think we're in the eighth inning. And now we're going back to the bull market here. So I'm on the opposite end of the coin with Ivan. That's why we have a market. I'm still going to stick with my bearish thesis. that There's a lot of things to worry about here. And I'm a seller of rallies. I, I, I kind of have to agree there until something changes, um, at least in inflation. I think you need to see multiple months of inflation coming down. That's why tomorrow, of course, that's why all eyes will be on personal consumption expenditures, the PCE number that we will get tomorrow at 830. A lot of eyes will be watching that. Even Jerome Powell's eyes will be watching that, right? Oh, he has a sure. speech two hours mm-hmm. after that, an hour and a half actually after that. So you could just imagine that could change his speech up. Um, and so I think that, you know, he, he already has mentality of what he's going to speak about. But of course, he's looking at his the, the focus number for the Fed has been mentioned multiple times is PCE, not CPI. CPI is a number that we all tend to look at and the media tends to look at, but the Fed really hones in on that PCE. So watch that tomorrow as it hits the tape, 8.30. That's big. That's big. Now, Bank of America coming in today and downgrading some of the housing stocks. It's interesting. Lenard taking a hit down here. Also, KBH also getting a downgrade. Let me get you those price ratings here. I was just taking a look at the calendar here. Um, Looks like we got a downgrade here towards 34 on KBH. And for Lennar, uh, price range is downgraded. Don't think that's correct. It has 82 there. Either way. Yeah, I don't care. The price 82 is the price target. The price targets are absolutely meaningless. Yeah, to they're me just all of these out things. They're just spitting out numbers. Uh, what mm-hmm. you know matters today is that the fact that they're downgraded. It's interesting. You get the toll report. The dip got bought. So obviously, Bank America's coming in here. Was Bank America downgraded? Yes. And yeah. they're, they're looking at this rip was just to be sold. So they're selling rips here too with this call. Toll Brothers ridiculous rally there yesterday. So it's coming back down. I mean. It's still in a range. You're still significantly off the all-time highs in Toll Brothers, which is 75. So the question is, is all the bad news priced in? I, I think there's more to, to, to go. I think the value trap still. I think the home builders are going to struggle here as supply chain woes are still happening. You know, like I talked to, you know, I talked to my Windows guy, told you that story there two days ago where he's like out on certain windows. Obviously, you can get some windows. You go to Home Depot and get a window. But I mean, on certain custom windows that they're doing, on the one, they're 14 months out, you know, on on some of his custom windows on certain different types. And he's like, I've never seen that before. You know, we're usually four to six weeks and they're telling me four, you know, not they were telling me four to six months. Now we're looking 14 months out on some of this stuff. He says the supply chain for him is definitely worse than it was. The concrete guy, and this is in Ontario, maybe it's different. The concrete guy said, I've never seen anything like this. He says, I will take the year after COVID over this year, any day of the week. He's like, it's getting way worse. He's like it's 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 from the from a supply chain perspective. Now I don't know if this is just the building industry or if this is across other things. You know, all I know is, like I said, I'm kind of getting a firsthand look where I'm waiting on a fridge, I'm waiting on a stove, I'm waiting on two front doors. You know, we're so used to two years ago just getting things. You know, it shows up in the six weeks. It's just not the case here anymore. 
But the concrete guy says, I've never seen this big of a mess here, you know, trying to get, you know, his product. He's like, the supply chain, he says, is absolutely a mess for him. This is his business. You know, he's got a concrete business, sells concrete, you know, been in business for years. He says, I've never seen it this bad. So I don't know. Maybe it's just his business. Maybe the supply chain is just unique to him. But I was tweeting out last night and people are telling me the same thing. They're waiting on stuff. My, my parents waited four months for their John Deere riding lawnmower. It just seems like it's across industries, this waiting. And people will wait. And people, you know, will, you know, eventually the products seem to come. But the supply chain is just far from fixed. And we have this, you know, belief that the major supply chain issues are behind us. And that's, you know, going to be, you know, now it's going to be supply chain and stuff's going to open up and that's going to bring inflation down. And I think it's wrong. I don't think, you know, and I think China can screw it up a lot more if they want to. And don't, you know, discount that as the wild card. That if China's going to fight us in a political battle, it's not going to be with guns and with nukes. It's going to be in that supply chain. And that stuff might start showing up eventually. So there's a lot of things to worry about here. Why am I paying 20 times, you know, S&P multiples when they're not, when, when it's not cheap historically with all these problems out there? That's why I raised cash up to 50% my long-term portfolio. We'll see what happens with the housing stocks. Will it take another step down? And supply chains, of course, the major concern. Uh, now let's go towards, I know that some people were thinking maybe SoFi would get a big rip. I'm all out of this. I just want to let you guys know. I did add into nice, yesterday. I was able to take a little bit of a profit into the 685 range when it was going to that uh, 687. I took a little bit of profit there, but I will. I, I wasn't able to get the whole piece up to seven and then eventually stopped out break even. And I think that's always an important thing to do sometimes is give yourself a shot for a catalyst really to kind of drive something. But sometimes things are going to flip, right? You just don't know, especially when you're dealing with catalysts. SoFi eventually came down here towards those 640s, breaking down at the end of the day, but it's right back up here. I'm wondering, what do you think about this stock now, Dennis? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's so beat up, you know, you can go and, you know, you're trying to call a $6 stock. It used to be what a 20, where, where was this thing at the all time highs? 27, $25 here. So they get the lift from the student loan stuff, Biden talk. Um, I, I don't know. It's just so many bag holders and something like this, like mm -hmm. get over like seven, eight bucks. Maybe it starts to get interesting. It's hard to build a bullish thesis if you don't start getting above seven. Cause even from a technical base, you could argue like the head and shoulders, like July, August, you know, a little bit of, you know, the left shoulder and the head up there at $8. Now you're back building the right shoulder here again, you know, which isn't a bullish, you know, signal here at all. And I just think there's bag holders all over the place here. So with, when there's bag holders, it means there's overhead supply. So it's hard to really see that thesis to drive to eight, nine, ten dollars unless we go into this wicked short squeeze market again, which um, obviously from looking at Bed Bath and Beyond, it hasn't been working, at least in the last few days. Um, one that's just catching my eyes that I'll watch to see if it does move with this is uh, slum here. Um, I'm not saying that it will move, but it's just something that I'm keeping on watch. Uh, let's go to some of the uranium plays. Did you see some of those make moves yesterday? No, I, I didn't. I wasn't paying attention to them. What's yeah, up? Really big moves there coming from some of these uranium plays. Whether Give me a couple UEC, symbols. UEC, triple uh, URA. Uh, yeah, URA. Um, CCJ, so I follow. Cameco. Yeah, we can do move. We can do that URA, which is an ETF, right? And I, yeah. I mean, this is this is one that's just giving us the insight. Look at the last two days, really strong daily candles yeah. now pushing on up. What's driving this? Honestly, 
I, I think it's just a pushback here. Um, and you're starting to see kind of like steel tick up. I saw Cleveland Cliff make an announcement Commodities yesterday. are on the comeback. Yeah. The commodities are all on the comeback here. Um, if you see any commodities that are in the gutter or haven't really participated yet, there's a catch-up trade here. Cleveland yeah. Cliffs, maybe there's a catch-up trade here. Um, you can see commodities, you know, still obviously. You can see, you know, oil has come back strong, and now you're starting to see some follow-through into some other stuff here. So mm -hmm. the commodity trade is interesting here because we've had the significant pullback. Supply chains are all still screwed up everywhere. I mean, I, you know, CCJ, we looked at two, three days ago. You know, that pullback was obviously to be bought. Now it's, you know, goes from 22 to 27. I mean, right up here at 28 resistance. So, you know, I'm not going to come in here and buy the thing when it just popped 20% a day. But, you know, you get pullbacks here. I think commodities are still the better play here right now. Looks like they're talking about Japan reopening plants for uranium. And that's why you're seeing it kind of get that lift. Some nuclear energy talk out of Japan. I'll take a look at that, uh, Jay Rice. Thank you in the chat for mentioning those kind of items. You can't Alcoa catch it is all. interesting but... too. The one downside here is if you think you're going into recession, the cyclicals mm -hmm. will suffer the most. So... It all depends. You know, you can get some pricing, get some relief here. It's hard to get rah rah bullish a lot of these in, in a lot of these stocks just for the simple reason is that I do believe that we're going into recession if we're not already in one. And I think it's going to be a good one. So it's hard to just jump on, you know, the rah rah bandwagon. But if you're using oil as your leader, you know, oil has been coming back here. So some of these commodity stocks that are beat up, not looking at oil, but, you know, even a CCJ from two days ago. You know, find some other ones that haven't went yet you know, because I think the commodity trade is getting hot here again. Really nice levels starting to break out from Exxon, uh, Oxy. I mean, I was watching 95, 95, 95. Now we're all the way up there towards 99. Looking like we want to get through that 100 and make another run. On the road to 100. Yeah, yeah. on the road. And uh, Oxy also making big leaps on up, up there towards 75 now. I mean, we, we went we, – we went through that high there in June 31st there. We're, we're, we're up on above now. Warren so driving the bus here. This gets back down to the mid-60s. He'll buy more. Everybody realized they have the Warren put. Again, it's 10 points higher than it was four days ago, so I don't want to chase it here. But on pullbacks, like I said yesterday, we haven't got a pullback. I said yesterday, if we get pullbacks on commodities, on the oil stocks, I'd be a buyer. Yeah, I'm looking for a pullback somewhere close to 71. There's a monthly resistance there. We'll see if it acts as support when Oxy pulls back or not. All right, that's probably going to do it for us. It's 9.01. Let's take a quick look at the SPY, see where it's going. Still in between there. Got a little bit of bounce there. Um, anything you're watching for the SPY today? Uh, overall market, Dennis? Um, just overall market, expect more chop. Obviously, Jackson Hole, Powell speaking directly to the markets tomorrow. So there's you know going to be a lot of chop here as we get lots of Fed speak here the next couple of days. And Fed is still driving the overall bus. We always look for drivers. The Fed has been driving this bus for a long time. If they say anything dovish to a certain extent, like saying, well, you know, let's see how this PC deflator comes in tomorrow. But, you know, if they say that, the markets can rip. If they start getting more hawkish and saying, no, we're sticking to our guns, we might go a full point or something. Somebody might say that in September, that would spook the market. The market wants to see 50 in September. I don't know if it's going to see 50. I don't know if it's going to see 75. I don't think it's going to see a buck. I, th I tend to think it's going to see 75. But, you know, let's see if we get some clarity here from Powell here in the next couple of days. We'll see what happens tomorrow will be a big, big day for the markets and have a great one, Dennis. We'll let you on out of here. Okay. Thanks everyone.
All right, we're going to go start wrapping on up here. Pre-market prep, like always, where you guys get all the information you guys need to get ready for your trading action. Hope you guys had a great morning with us today. Now stick around. We do have live trading up next. We've been doing really well. We're going to keep watch a lot of those uranium names. Um, we'll keep watch some oil names and, of course, some of those meme stocks like we always kind of follow on live trading. So come on over if you want to continue trading with us. Lord Ryan, Zunaid, and I are ready to go back at it. It's been a pretty, pretty good two months for me. So I'm going to continue trying to battle through. I'll see you guys on over on live trading. And please do me the favor. Hit that subscribe if you're not subscribed. If there's some reason you're watching pre-market prep right now and are not subscribed, you're missing out. Hit that subscribe so you can be notified the moment that we go live. I'll see you guys next time right here on Pre-Market Prep. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.